Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your co-host Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye. We have a number of people we're speaking with today, and we're going to start off with Ernie Dunstan, president of the Breakfast Group of Seattle, and they do a lot of fantastic things with young men uh, during the entire year. But tomorrow on Friday would be their signature event, which is the Taiwan on. So Ernie Dunstan, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. Uh, give us a little uh, historical overview of the breakfast group before we go into your signature event and uh, with, with the young men and what I'll be missing this year because I enjoyed that luncheon as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks, Eddie. Yeah, uh, this year would have been uh, our 29th annual Taiwan on luncheon, and uh, we've had it each year at the uh, Olymp- Fairmont Olympic Hotel or whatever the past names were, and uh, we've formed a good partnership with them. And each year at this event, we bring in anywhere from 75 to 90 uh, young men from uh, the high schools. Uh, we have uh, our Project Missile program is basically in four South End high schools, but then we expand the program for this event. We bring in our young men from uh, some of the other high schools that are not part of the Project Missile program. And uh, this uh, event, it's, it's, we call it the Rite of Passage, where the young men come. And uh, they're at a point in the program, they're presented neckties, and then they sit with a mentor that uh, shows them how to tie the necktie. Then they can sort of, uh, these mentors are from different companies, and sometimes students are able to work with, uh, the, uh, with the mentors to work uh, in uh, jobs and what have you. Uh, so anyway, this program this year we, we missed out because uh, we had a good lineup of, of students and uh, we had uh, brand-new necktie designs that we were going to give away at the luncheon. So uh, it's just uh, unfortunate that we're not able to have that uh, this year, but we'll, uh, we'll pick it up next year. And yeah, that's 29 years. And, uh, uh, yeah, and you also mentioned uh, Project Mister. Uh, tell uh, our listening audience a little bit about Project Mister and how that works. <clears throat> yeah, Project Mister is a program that uh, we run in, uh, in uh, four high schools, uh, Garfield, Franklin, Rainer Beach, and Cleveland. And in those schools, we have uh, classes set, uh, and we, uh, we pay uh, instructors to conduct those classes. And they uh, follow a, uh, a, a life skills curriculum that we've, uh, that we've uh, uh, generated over the years in, in doing this program. And uh, these young men, uh, once they uh, become seniors, then uh, we encourage them to go to college, or if not, then we help them find employment. And uh, to follow up on this program, we also have another program called the All Achievers Awards, and that was scheduled to be at the African American Museum uh, on the 17th of, uh, of May. That has also been canceled. At this event, we normally give away... Uh, anywhere from fifteen to twenty thousand dollars in scholarships, and uh, uh, this year we're, we're having a hard time uh, making a contact with the young men. So uh, we do have John German, Dr. John German, who heads up that program, and he's working with counselors uh, by phone to try and get names of young men uh, who uh, would be deserving of the scholarships. We usually have a pretty uh, intense screening process, but uh, since we can't get together, we, we won't be able to do that, but we don't want to leave the money uh, sitting there not used, so we know that uh, some of these young men will need some help with scholarships, so that's our next uh, effort for next month. 
And the Breakfast Group was founded when? And, and let's give a little history about the Breakfast Group itself. The Breakfast Group was uh, founded in uh, 1976, and the uh, the original uh, uh, organizer was uh, Herm McKinney. And uh, and then uh, with uh, Herman, we had a lot of uh, some close friends that would get together uh, uh, for uh, drinks after work on Fridays. And during that time, we had uh, – uh, black executives that were new with companies that uh, were companies hadn't had black executives before. And so with these companies, we had nobody to mentor us or to help us uh, through the, uh, get through the rough water. So we kind of commiserated among ourselves to give each other support with the various companies where we had our young executives pioneering those companies and uh, uh, setting, the, setting the way for uh, uh, future executives. I want to see if my co-host Edward Evans has a comment or a question. Yeah, Ernie, uh, for, for the listenership, can you just share something about your background? You, you came to the Seattle's like in around 1959, 1960, played basketball at SU. People need to know this. And also, you've been nationally recognized by Boys and Girls Club for all the work that you've done. But can you share with the, our listenership just a little background information so they know more about you, the man? Yeah, I grew up in Washington, D.C. I went to Spingarn High School, and uh, Spingarn High School has been noted for uh, turning out some pretty good uh, basketball players. Elgin Bell had led the way he came out, and then once Elgin came out, then we had uh, about five other players uh, from uh, from Spingarn that came out to play at Seattle University. Uh, once I uh, graduated, I uh, stayed in the area. I taught for a couple of years at uh, O'Day High School, and then I went to work for, for Sears as an executive. But uh, during the time that I was in college, uh, I ran a program on Saturday at Knights of Columbus where uh, Bob Santos and I ran young kids through the paces. You know, we had a boxing ring there, and uh, we played basketball and different games. And uh, we had some uh, pretty uh, strong kids come through that program, Fred Couples, was one of our one of our youth came through the program, and so uh, I just uh, have always been involved with youth organizations since I grew up in Washington D.C. Uh, one of our uh, neighborhood uh, parents started a boys' club in Carver Terrace where there was no boys' club, and we were just kind of hanging on the corners and getting in trouble. Mr. McKee started this boys' club, and we got together a basketball team, and that way we kind of kept us off the streets. And uh, most of the guys who went through that club uh, did pretty well. You know, they finished school. A lot of them went on to college and played sports. And we had one that, that ended up being a, a future uh, president of Howard University, uh, Franklin Jennifer. So it's um, it's kind of um, uh, uh, kind of inbred in me to reach out to the young people. And I was with the Boys and Girls Club locally for many years. I was on the King County Board. I president of. Uh, original president of uh, Rainer Vista Boys and Girls Club, and I was awarded the uh, highest award given by uh, the national organization, the Men and Boy, a uh, Man and Boy Award that was given some years ago. So that's kind of my background. I've always uh, sort of liked to keep a finger and actually reach back and pull the young guys up with us. So that's what we all have to do. Well, the other thing, too, is that I posted a picture of you receiving uh the MO 
K. Distinguished uh, Service Award that was presented to you by uh, Larry Gossett. As a matter of yes. fact, I put that on yes. my Facebook page with you and your wife, Patricia, mm-hmm. who's been a good partner in this whole thing because I know she's been taking care of business as well. So I also no want to mention that <clears throat> he is still uh, receiving notoriety, uh, the awards and, and the recognition he deserves for all the work he's been doing. So, uh, Ernie, we really appreciate you uh, and all the work that you've done. Is there any message you want to leave to breakfast group members or the young men? No, it, listen it, before I can we go? something very quickly. I don't want to take too much time, but just want everybody to know that uh, although uh, the school is closed, uh, we are still uh, staying in touch with uh, our students through a program that's uh, run by uh, our uh, director of uh, project, Mr. Uh, Dr. Uh, James Carter. We have a website called uh, MrKnowledgeAnywhere.com, uh, and uh, we, uh, we have our instructors. We're still paying those instructors to stay in touch with the students uh, and uh, kind of go through the courses that we have, that we are, uh, that we have for them. So, again, uh, we are not uh, uh, just sitting back and letting those kids, uh, you know, uh, miss out on some of the instruction that we can be giving them. So, Dr. Uh, James Carter is our uh, director of Project Mister. He's doing a great job for us. Well, that's that's good to hear, and I'm glad that that we have folks that committed and dedicated to uplifting the young folks. And you've been doing it for years, and we certainly do appreciate you. And uh, hey, would you have any comments before we go? Just Ernie, I'm just so glad that that you're here and everything that you've done for the community. And frankly, I see more awards. Uh, Eddie, what about that MLKCC award? I can see that down the pipeline. Ernie absolutely deserves it. No, you're absolutely right. There's no question about it. So he is a brother that's really been doing it for a long, long time and has continued to deliver for the community. And really, uh, I could have seen Ernie being the superintendent of Seattle Public Schools as far as that goes. <laughs> As a charter member of the breakfast group, that it's not about just one person. You know, we got some brothers in there that's been uh, some heavy hitters for many years. You know, yeah, Paul, that's, that's Paul why Mitchell, you Charles effect. Mitchell, guys like that. You know, so it's 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 uh, just not about one individual. It's about what we can do as a group. All righty then, brother. We certainly appreciate you today. We appreciate all the work you've been doing, Ernie. Okay, man. And, Thanks uh, a lot. You are worthy Good to be praised because you really delivered. Okay. Take care. All right. Okay. Okay, bye. Uh, so anyway, I want to let everybody know that uh, Urban Forum Northwest is brought to you by Sounds Transit Small Business Development and Labor Compliance Office, the Port of Seattle's uh, Diversity Contracting Office, Concourse Concessions with Dave Fukuhara, SeaTac Bar Group with Rod Whitsitt and uh, Rod O'Neill, I mean Jerry Whitsitt and Rod O'Neill. SeaTac uh, uh, Bar Group, Stephanie Ogle does our website, Sound Transit Small Business Label Compliance Office. I want to mention uh, Leslie Jones as well. So uh, we're going to go to our next guest, who's Estella Ortega. Estella, are you on the line? Yes, I am, Eddie. Uh, thank okay, you so much. And it's always such a pleasure to be on on your on your program. Uh, well, we certainly appreciate that. You know, Hayward Evans is my co-host, and we certainly do uh, appreciate uh, you allowing us after we did it uh, <laughs> to uh, remember <laughs> to remember Dr. King, uh, his uh, tragic demise 52 years ago. 
We know we're in the middle of the coronavirus. We couldn't have a public gathering, but we did go up and uh, Hayward uh, arranged to get a wreath, and we did present that, and we did have uh, Keith from Fly Right Productions do a live stream on Facebook so everybody could participate. They couldn't show up. So we were in compliance with the law. But we didn't want to tell you until after it was over. So, so you <laughs> well, could have it was a very beautiful surprise. I received many comments from people who who saw it and just were so so moved, uh, especially by the beautiful wreath of I it. Mean, it was just very, very a very nice, nice, touching uh, sentiment uh, in honoring Dr. King. Now, as a, you guys are, uh, you know, with the virus uh, right now, everybody's uh, sheltering at home in place. And El Centro de la Raza is raising money and helping the people who not only uh, have the uh, virus, but also the people who are being harmed by the shutdown of the economy without receiving paychecks. And uh, I know there's a fundraising effort underway right now. Why don't you share with our listeners a little bit about uh, the program you're engaged in to help these folks get some financial relief? Well, first of all, I want people to know that even though the El Centro building is shut down, we have probably about 50% of our people working remotely and another 50% that are on site, but the building is locked down for their protection. And so we still have our early child care center that is operating and, you know, our food bank, um, you know, we prepare meals on a daily basis for seniors to pick up a sack lunch. And so those kind of things are happening with a lot of other work happening um, internally within the organization. And so, you know, obviously our communities have been hit hard, um, you know, because they were already in uh, low-paying uh, jobs. And, and for the Latino community, we have so many people who are either unbanked or undocumented, which, you know, makes them ineligible for uh, programs that are coming down from, uh, you know, the federal government or even, you know, eligible, ineligible for un- unemployment. So um, we have we have in a month's time because we have our people keeping very good data we've had about 2500 calls eddie i mean and it's from you know people who need rent assistance to to food you know to help you know they they need cash money to pay for prescriptions to keep their cell phones on so that they're in contact with family and you know in the outside world i mean i was just it was daunting to see how many people need assistance. And so we've been raising funds from, you know, places like the Seattle Foundation, uh, different family foundations, um, the Group Health Foundation, and basically, you know, we're doing some of the basics and helping people with a portion of their rent and getting them food vouchers and what we've seen in relation to the rent, and that's why our Attorney General, Bob Ferguson, had to do a lawsuit is that, um, you know, we give, a small, we give a small amount of $500 uh, to pay the landlord and then to, to negotiate a plan of payment or try to get an understanding in these difficult times that people are not supposed to be evicted, they're not supposed to be charged fees. And we have individuals saying, let the law kept up, you know, catch up with me, you know, kind of thing, and that they're not being, you know, very cooperative. And my response to staff now is report them. 
you know, don't let's not wait because everything that El Centro does is very coordinated. But I said, as soon as you get those kind of calls, call them in, you know, so that, um, you know, we're addressing addressing those issues. Um, so lots and lots of work. I feel like we're busier, more busier than before. And it's all, um, you know, the coronavirus, um, um, you know, work along with that in terms of ser- serving people. Well, you know, the need is greater. That's exactly what you're seeing right now. And we know in the black community, and I guess pretty much with, with the Latino community, the underlying medical conditions, not being able to go to a doctor, not being able to make co-payments to get the kind of medical services that you need, and a lot of people not being able to get the kind of prescription medication they need because they cost so darn much. So all this uh, this virus just really illuminated the disparities in health care for black and brown people. That's what it really, really did. And Absolutely. that's why our numbers are so great, because we had these pre-existing conditions, and because we could live with them, we did until something like this happened to us. So it's really unfortunate, and, you know, to be one of the richest countries in the world, to have people living like this, you know, even when you start looking at the number of homelessness right now, I just saw a deal of my daughter Angela was on a BET last night, and they had some folks showing in. 60,000 homeless in, in Los Angeles. Oh, my word. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, just, and, and when I went, last time I was in San Francisco, the largest group of black folks I saw were downtown and they were homeless. And it's just absolutely amazing how, how people just look past this and act like they just don't see it because it's there. And then they have all these people profess, professing to be Christians looking after the least of these. And not seeing it, you know, it's just appalling. So this just really puts the spotlight on the disparities that a lot of folks are faced with in this country. So, And it's right. obvious that we have somebody at the top that don't want to make sure it doesn't get to the bottom. It's like when they just dispersed that $1.5 trillion to corporate America, there were no glitches. But yeah. now people can't get the unemployment check. So, Estella, I want to thank you for... Uh, all that you and El Centro de la Raza are doing, and I'm going to give Hayward the last word before we check out. Hayward? Hello, yeah, Hayward. Stella, first of all, hey, Stella, good hearing your voice. And Thank you. Know, I really feel this number 45 is absolutely crazy. That stimulus package needs to be going to those people who are disenfranchised, the ones who are out there working. It's so wrong. And what, what Eddie alluded to, that if you don't have a bank account, you don't have an address, that you're black and brown on the street, how do you get your check? They need to contract with El Centro. Give you the checks, let you take it to the people, because that's what you're doing now. But still, for the, for the listenership, a lot of people don't know that El Centro de la Rosa is the center for people of all races. But they don't know your background. I want you just to just share some of your background. Let's go back all the way, because people don't know you were picking cotton, right, in Texas. <laughs> Oh, yes. You know, when I was eight years old, I was in the cotton fields of Texas. And, you know, my family was extremely poor. And that was one way to help, you know, make make, um, ends meet. And so I've been trained (laughs) to be an extremely hard, hard worker that has obviously benefited um, El Centro de la Raza. And I came to Seattle in 1972, because I had met Roberto earlier, Roberto Maestas earlier that year, and he invited me to come and visit uh, the occupation, and obviously the rest is history. I went back and 
quit my job. I was in um, insurance and real estate, and I was on my way. I was on my way to become, you know, Miss uh, Miss uh, Hispanic Yuppie, you know. But fortunately, fortunately, I met Roberto Maestas, and that was the best decision of my life in terms of being able to be of service to the community. Okay, Stella, thank you very much. We're out of time, but, you know, you're always welcome to come on here because you're doing so much for the people of all races, I must say. You'll take care of yourself. If you go to El Centro Food Bank, you see this like United Nations. So thank you very much, Stella. Thank you, too. Stay safe. Okay, we're going to take a break and come back with our next guest after this message. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. Need help getting started with self-help? You came to the right place. Alternative Talk, 1150. Eddie Ryan, Hayward Evans, back at Urban Forum Northwest. Our next guest is uh, Pastor Lawrence Wilkes with uh, the Seattle Urban League. Uh, we'll be running the pre-apprenticeship program when we open up the McKinney Center for Community and Economic Development, formerly known as SVI, and the Central District Community Preservation Development Authority. And Pastor Willis is doing a good job right now. And Pastor Willis, please share what you're doing right now in the parking lot of uh, the SVI, uh, the Community Development uh, and McKinney Center uh, right now. Hey, man. Good to be on the air with you, Eddie. Um, we are. Uh, we just started this week um, on uh, completing some tiny houses. We got the material in today. And this whole, this whole thought came about, Eddie, with um, what we've been doing in the community around the tiny house villages, about around free apprenticeship and apprenticeship. Uh, so the the idea came across if we could utilize that parking lot and and some of that first floor to uh, start a 
a, a, a program to, to, hone, to have the carpenters kind of hone in on their skills while they're, um, you know, kind of sitting at home. Uh, we're using social distancing as we're doing the build, but also we want to be able to have that those tiny houses uh, prepared uh, for those that may be affected by covert, uh, those that are, are homeless out there in the community with nowhere to stay. And so we, we um, um, decided to do some work there at the building. I, I want to thank and do a shout-out to Sharon Tomiko Santos, uh, Eric Pettigrew, and also the Department of Commerce uh, for giving us access, as lo- and, and as well as uh, Dr. Sheila Lane and uh, Lincoln Ferris that worked with us to give us access to the building. And then as it's getting turned over to the Preservation Society, we continue to do this type of work uh, around free apprenticeship, uh, entrepreneurship, and, and helping those that are less fortunate, especially in the central area. So I'm excited about what we will be able to do um, in that location, Eddie. Hey, would you have a comment or a question? Uh, yes, I do. Thank you, Reverend Willis, for being here. But I, I think people should know some of some about your background, what you've done, because you were you were a journeyman uh, carpenter, weren't you? And then you got an award yes, last year, yes. the Low Income Housing Institute Housing Hero Award. Uh, please, yes, please share yes, with our listeners. Yes. Yeah, I'm gonna share with them because you have literally saved people's lives by giving somebody a heated uh, tiny home ability to lock a door. That's huge. But share with our listenership uh, some of your background so they know who you are. Okay. Uh, you know, first, I'm a pastor of the True Vine Church. I've been pastoring in uh, True Vine for going on 20 years. But also, I am a union uh, journeyman carpenter. Um, I was hurt on the job in 2001. Um, but I stayed in the industry because I wanted to be able to give back. Uh, to show the communities and, and other African-American young men that we can make it in construction and create a, a good living for ourselves to raise our family. Um, being raised in Los Angeles and Compton with gangs and all that, uh, you know, that affected my life, but God gave me a second chance in construction. And so uh, learning that skill uh, as a carpenter, I was able to give back. And so once I got hurt, I stayed in the in the field, and I began to be an instructor. I learned a lot about the trade, and so I, I first started out uh, instructing their new program over in Georgetown. So I instructed a new for two years, and and then from a new, I went to the PAC program. The uh, PAC program is housed in the building that we're doing these tiny houses in now, and. Um, um, I just wanted to give back to the community, and so the PAC program was in need because they were in jeopardy of losing that program um, at that facility. And so I went there and worked with the dean, got the recognition uh, certificate for the program to continue to uh, succeed and grow and, and be a recognized pre-apprenticeship program for the trades. So I stayed there with the uh, PAC program for almost four years, um, then transitioned over to the Urban League and their construction uh, program and priority hire for the Urban League. And so through that, we've, we've been able to bless and help so many young men and women get into the trades, not only the trades, but learn a skill that you can never lose, 
Nobody can take that. Once you learn a skill, if it's a plumber, pipe fitter, carpenter, labor, when you learn that skill, it can never be taken from you. And so that's what I really wanted to do was have African-American and people of color learn a trade and a skill that they can never lose and be able to be self-sufficient in the same way. And so, hey, we thank you for, um, you know, bringing that up because sometimes, you know, when, when, when you're doing so many things in the community, you can forget, you know, how it started. And so that's uh, kind of the start of how I got into construction and um, staying in it and then being a community person, wanting to give back to the community. And I thank uh, God for you and Eddie being role models to me to be able to know how to never navigate, you know, community and, you know, a church and state and working with different um, public entities. And so I want to thank you guys for being the forerunners of working uh, in the community when you're working with public entities. Well, well, Pastor Willis, we certainly appreciate what you've done and what you bring into the table. And we look forward to having that pre-apprenticeship program once the public development Central District Community Preservation Development Authority also will be known as the McKinney Center for Community and Economic Development. Uh, we look forward to having you back on the first floor along with uh, quite a few other programs and the Urban League of uh, Metropolitan Seattle uh, to be uh, in that building as well, as well as the, the Veterans Program and other community programs, including uh, public agencies who can bring something to the table. Uh, for the for our constituents, so we yes, really yes, really yes. really appreciate your your time today, brother. So uh, thank you for your time, Pastor Willis, and we'll be talking to you soon. Louis Navarro from the Port of Seattle called, and they're going to be working with you to try to do something for the people who are working out there building those tiny houses for the, uh, the homeless and the COVID patients. So thank you very much, All sir. All right. All right. Thank, thank you, you again, Eddie. You guys have a okay. blessed day. All right. Now we we certainly will. Okay, so we're trying to hook up with uh, Angela Rye, but uh, in the meantime, let me give a shout-out to Sound Transfer Small Business Development and Labor Compliance Office, the City of Seattle Purchasing and Construction Services Office, the Port of Seattle Diversity Contracting Office, Concourse Concessions, CTAC Bar Group, and Stephanie Ogle does our website. And also I want to let folks know that Minister Shirley Poston has information Oh, about COVID testing, I'll find it some, someplace soon. Is uh, Angela Rye Angela Angela on the line? I'm on the line, Dad. Hey, hey there. You on, my co-host is Hayward Evans. Okay. Hi, so, how are you uh, doing, Mr. Evans? Okay. Oh, excellent, Hayward. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, so anyway, I tried to, uh, uh, you were on BET last night, and there was a very interesting story about the people uh, the unsung heroes who are out in the streets dealing with the homeless during this uh, crisis. And uh, I tried to post it on Facebook, but BET is slick. They got something to block me, but anyway, uh, some people could hear it. So I just wanted to find out in Los Angeles how you're faring, and uh, I got a chance to hear about some of the things that's going on. And could, uh, could you share just a little bit about what's happening in Los Angeles and a little bit about the program you were on last night? Um, sure. Right now I think that um, the numbers in L.A. are are pretty low. Folks have uh, social distance, so I'm not an expert on that or, um, 
you know, on the ways in which they're keeping the numbers down, but I think part of it is the shelter-in-place requirements. Um, the program I was on last night for BT, we recorded it last week. Um, it was a telethon to raise money for coronavirus efforts, I think including um, ensuring that people could have the PPE that they that they need to, to survive this stuff. So. And, and uh, it, it appeared, though, though, I was really impressed with the volunteers. I've never realized they had so many homeless people in Los Angeles. But I was really impressed with the, the people who were stepping up to the plate to go out and go, uh, you know, person to person, uh, providing them with something to eat and something to drink. Uh, let me ask my co-host, Hayward Evans, do you have any question or comment for Angela Rye? Yeah, Angela, you were absolutely fantastic. Your interview with Anthony Anderson. I, I truly enjoyed it. But, but for our listenership, for our listenership, can you share with them the direct impact of the uh, coronavirus on our community? What what you see and what you think is necessary now? Yeah, I think the the main thing is for people to stay at home if they can. If they're not essential workers, for folks to just stay at home. Um, we know that Black people are disproportionately impacted by. Um, this virus, as in everything else um, in this country, especially because of the underlying conditions that black people overwhelmingly have, including asthma, hypertension, um, and so many other causes uh, um, and treatment or uh, issues related to um, just our lack of access to health care. So, um, yeah, I think that the best thing we can do is to make sure that we're following what doctors are telling us. I'm not a medical professional, but I'm adhering to the suggestions and recommendations made, including, you know, making sure that I wash my hands for 20 seconds or more, which is something I've believed in a long time, Dad. You can attest to that. Um, I believe that it's important to go out wearing masks. I was wearing masks and gloves before they said that you should because I just am – um, naturally a hypochondriac dad. I know you can relate to that as well. And um, I think in addition to that, it's just about trying to make sure that you are practicing social distancing. So they were saying initially six feet. Now they think it may be double that. And there have been some articles that's more than that. But I would just encourage people to um, continue to um pay attention to what is being shared from medical professionals and to try to stay up on what they're pushing out, um, which is what I'm doing. So, and, uh, what about, what do you, go ahead, Angel. Uh, Angel, what do you think about number 45, the State of the Union? What's going on with this guy in terms of providing the dollars so we could track, uh, test, track, and isolate? What's, what's going on with this man, in your opinion? I don't have an opinion um, on him. I don't know. I never will be the expert to tell you what's going on in his mind or what he's thinking or any of that. They're supposed to be um, the second uh, stimulus package um, passed through the House. Um, it's supposed, it supposed to be today. I'm not sure what's happening with that. Um, and um, just looking at, like, a floor speech that Congresswoman Waters delivered earlier today saying that she was um, dedicating the $484 billion coronavirus relief bill to her sister who was in the hospital in St. Louis um, dying. 
from coronavirus. And so I think that the reality of it is um, every elected official, whether they are a legislator or um, responsible for administering the law as an executive, that they remember their humanity first. I think that's what's being required of us right now. So instead of me spending my time trying to figure out what is going on in the mind of Trump or his administration, I just want to work with the folks who are um, trying to provide relief to the community that I'm a part of and that I'm the most concerned about um, because we're always left behind um, in stimulus packages. Now, uh, I understand that has they, have they canceled events out through the summer, or say for the Congressional Black Caucus? Yeah. Yes. Mhm. Okay. So that would that include uh, the, the the August event that uh, hosted yeah. by? Okay. Yeah, the CBC Institute. All the CBC Institute activities have been postponed until further notice. Okay. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, now you said all the schools, everybody, and I know, I know Gavin Newsom and uh, Governor Brown in Oregon and uh, Governor Jay Inslee were really uh, proactive in terms of sh- sheltering in place and social distancing. And now we see it's really ironic that uh, the, the governor that beat uh, Stacey Abrams and the one that beat Andrew Gillum now seem to be uh, two of the worst offenders. And uh, even though. Uh, the president is telling them that they need to back up, but uh, after you tell people to liberate, they show up with guns and Confederate flags. It's hard to pull them back. Uh, do you see any 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 change any changes in these people's minds? I've noticed that the the, the mayors are vehemently opposed to what's happening in uh, Georgia and well most most of them, and in uh, in Florida. Yeah, um, I don't, again, I don't really um, pretend to know what is in the minds of um, those governors either uh, or their supporters. Um, But I think that people are having to be directly impacted by the virus, or at least, you know, someone close to them has to be directly impacted by the virus to make different decisions, Um, some that are less selfish. Um, but I don't know. I hope that that is not true for long, but it certainly seems to be what the case is right now. Um, but, yeah, I don't, you said I don't that was know. I'm not, I'm not an expert on Republican politicking at all. Sorry. Well, I, yeah, I, no, I certainly no. understand that. Now, did you yeah. say that uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters' sister was dying? No, yeah, she said um, on the on the House floor today while she was speaking that um, she was dedicating the legislation, this coronavirus stimulus package, to her sister, who's in a St. Louis hospital dying. And um, it appears to be um, the case that uh, I'm sorry, they voted on this um, just about an hour ago. So this it should be. It should be, um, yeah, that should be done. So I'm, I'm sure this bill passed. This was, um, this was a, again the the second um, stimulus package, the 484 billion dollar bill. 
Well, we certainly hope that some of it finds its way to black businesses and the black community. So, Angela Rye, uh, is there anything you'd like to say before we go? I want to thank you very much for your time today. Thanks, Dad. Nope, I don't have anything else. Okay, Not well, as soon as we can shelter out of place, I'll be down to L.A. to see you. Hopefully it's sooner than later. Or I'll, come home to, or I'll come home to see you. Okay. We'll, we'll be okay. waiting. Let okay. Thank you very much, Ernie. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Talk to you later. Okay, uh, Eric, we're going to take a break and come back with uh, Reverend Zachary K. Bruce Sr. after this. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail Station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Linklight Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Exploring new territory every day. This is Alternative Talk 1150. All right, Eddie Ryan, Hayward Evans back at Urban Forum Northwest with our next guest, and that's Reverend Zachary K. Bruce Sr., Senior Pastor of Freedom Church of Seattle. And uh, he sounded the alarm on uh, uh, black participation in the stimulus package. So, uh, Reverend Bruce, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest, and share with our listeners what some of your concerns are about being left out. Well, first I want to thank you and Hayward for your decades of leadership in the fight against racial and economic injustice and really apartheid in our region throughout the nation. And before I address this specific stimulus issue, I want to point out that African Americans uh, have been fighting this fight for over four centuries against racial and economic injustice, over three centuries of legalized racial and economic injustice. We've moved from Jim Crow now to James Crow. And here we are again now fighting a $484 bill to make sure that African-American businesses, people of color businesses, get our fair share. And the only way that's going to happen is if we stay on top of the information and challenge our state 
local, federal, political leaders to ensure that African-American business owners get our fair share of the, this package and that small business owners have real quick, simple access to capital. And we have to, the only way that's going to happen historically is if we organize, speak up, speak out, speak loud, and demand justice. So, uh, Pastor Bruce, have you, uh, I know it's a very difficult time to be talking about any really organizing in person, but uh, have you had uh, suggested any meetings or contact anyone about starting this movement? I mean, you well, sound alarmed. I'm I asking saw your our progressive or... friends. No, I'm asking the progressive organizations. Our progressive friends are making phone calls, Eddie, uh, to ask our friends and partners uh, to get on the telephone, to email, uh, to uh, challenge our senators, to talk to Patty Murray, talk to Maria Cantwell, talk to uh, the county representatives, and especially our senators, make sure that African-American business owners get our fair share. Now, we know that normal means bail out Wall Street and ignore Martin Luther King in your way. We're not going back to normal. We're going to a new normal. And in this new normal, it's going to be about justice. And the only way it's going to be about justice is if people of goodwill and progressive organizations and progressive leaders right now get on that telephone, start sending in emails to Patty Murray, emails to Maria Cantwell, emails to elected officials and say that we clearly and emphatically demand our fair share and access to capital out of this stimulus package. Yeah, I want to see if Hayward has a comment or a question. Yeah, Reverend Bruce, first of all, I want to thank you because you've always been there supporting the, uh, the issues that it impacts our community. Because, you know, as a descendant of the uh, United States African enslaved, which is a category that we want now so they can understand who we are right. with a better definition. We, we, uh, we appreciate what you're doing, but for the, for the uh, listenership who don't know you, can you share with them where your church is located and just how you got to West Seattle? I know where it's at, but for the listenership, give them back down on you. Yes, sir. Uh, well, we, we started uh, Freedom Church in 1997, and now we're located in Skyway. We're actually, the whole complex is called the Jesus Center. And there's three churches working as one. And, and we really are trying to do all we can to help build community. And one of the ways we have to build community, Hayward, is we have to keep speaking out against uh, racism and racial injustice and economic injustice. And, and people keep talking about, well, things are going to go back to normal. I, I, I'm saying the hell with normal. We don't want to go back to normal. We want to go back to a better day where corporate greed is not uh, uh, the issue where small businesses are getting their fair share of the economic power of this country. And so Freedom Church is in Skyway, but our, our, our mission is to do all we can uh, in, beyond the work of a church, uh, the religious side of the church, is to impact community, to build community. How is the coronavirus impacting your church and the membership? And is there a way that, that you can stay in communication, particularly they say people who are homeless or don't have a bank account can't even access that stimulus money? I mean, come on. You go downtown, you see a lot of black folks running around. But how is it impacting you at your church? Well, we, we closed the physical building down five weeks ago, Hayward, but yeah. our mission has always been the word church comes from the Greek word ecclesia. That means the called out was 
Jesus didn't die for a building. He died for people. And so the church is open. The church is open 24-7. Matter of fact, I'm working more hours now with the building closed than I did when the building was open because the problems have been exacerbated by the coronavirus uh, pandemic. Uh, you're seeing more chaos out in the streets late last night dealing with uh, uh, helping people that are homeless to find uh, housing and to find hope. I'm getting calls throughout the day from single parents that can't pay their bills and, 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 and are struggling to have food on the table. We had one call from a single mother yesterday that literally didn't have food. So our work has actually increased during the coronavirus mm -hmm. pandemic. And we're also hearing from small business owners, African-American business owners, about the injustice of them not receiving their uh, fair share of the money that's coming out as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. And that's why I wanted to briefly first say something about institutional racism that's been around for four centuries plus, that we're continually coming up against. Uh, people talking about go back to the normal. What normal are you talking about? We're talking about a new day, a day of fairness, a day of justice, a day when small business owners, African-American business owners have our fair share of, of, of these public dollars that are coming down. And, 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 and the only way that's going to happen is if we turn up the heat and send in emails, make phone calls, call Patty Murray, call Maria Cantwell's office, uh, call elected officials, call the county uh, representative, call our King County executive, call the mayor, and, and, and make a clear demand to make sure that African-American people of color, small business owners, are getting a fair share, making sure that African-American people of color residents, the poor and the working poor of all colors, are being treated fair. And that's only going to happen if the church and other progressive organizations speak up, speak out, and do our part. And that's freedom's mission, hey, where we have to keep working, keep serving, keep working with our progressive friends, keep fighting and advocating uh, every day. Uh, the church is open. Uh, buildings make clothes. I was at the building today. I mean, we're still doing some safe things in the building to help others that are coming through that are homeless, that need resources, that need support. We're wearing the mask. Uh, we're doing the social distancing, but we're still helping people even through the building when we can help them through the building. But the church itself, that represents people who are following Christ and want to do God's will and want to love and serve others. And I'm just I'm tired of hearing the word normal because that word normal to me means status quo. And I'll be, if I'm going to go back to the status quo, uh, I'm going to call on our progressive friends that are listening to please help us uh, put pressure and heat on elected officials to make sure that African-Americans and people of color and the poor and the working poor of all colors are being treated fairly through this process. That's our moral mandate. And that's a moral mandate not to go back to the normal, but to create a new normal of justice and fairness. And that's something that uh, the McKinney Coalition, uh, most of the folks who have been members and supporters of that coalition, uh, you're, you're, you're talking their talk. Uh, that's and, I'm, why, and, I'm, uh, and the great work that y'all doing with, with that effort, that's what I'm talking about, yeah. the new normal. And the only way the new normal is going to happen is if people of goodwill will speak $484 billion. You start looking at some of the things that's happening around this coronavirus pandemic. They, they tried to give Harvard $8.6 million of relief money, and Harvard has a $41 billion endowment. Harvard doesn't need bailout money from the government, but local business owners and local families do. So we got to watch how this government, I, 
if you, if you look up the word kleptocracy, a kleptocracy is a government with corrupt leaders that exploits government resources for their own personal wealth. We are dealing with a racist kleptocracy where the Republican Party is enabling Trump uh, to show the kind of misleadership, mismanagement that he's doing. But the real issue is, what are we going to do? What is our response? How are we going to speak up? We're not marching in the street, but we can get on the telephone. We can send emails. We can make phone calls. There's all kind of effective advocacy things that every person could do that's a person of goodwill to speak up and speak out. And that's why I'm so grateful you brothers, my leaders, I consider you both my leaders, that you allow me to come on today as a clergyman and say to the church community, the religious community, this is a time to go forward, speak up, speak out, send the emails, make the phone calls, put the heat on our senators to treat people right, treat African-American business owners right, treat people of color right, treat us with fairness and justice. This is the new normal. We're not going back to normal. We're fighting for a new normal. Well, you know what, sir? Uh, you are the leader of this movement right now. I don't know if you can proclaim me and Hayward to be anything, but right now you speak in truth to power, and that's what leaders do. And is there any information you can share with our listeners about how they could get in touch with you to get on this freedom train that you're driving? Yes, sir. They can call us at 206-906-9664. That would be the easiest way. Just leave your name and number. My staff will get back to you because we're going to sacrifice time, talent, and money. One of the things I want to say, too, briefly is that make sure that you spend your dollars with small business owners even now. I'll give you a quick example of how to do it. Uh, David Jones that operates a powerful, beautiful business, the Copy Spot. Uh, our church just did an order with him for a future work. So you can send money, capital right now into some of these small business owners for future services. That's everybody can do to check on small business owners, make sure they're all right, while we're simultaneously demanding this. For I'm going to keep saying it, the new normal. We're not going back to normal. We're fighting for a new normal. And for that new normal to come forth, it's going to take people of goodwill, people of courage, people of love, people who love justice, people who love what America really stands for, to speak up, stand out, and, and do all we can do right now. Okay. Well, Reverend the Bruce, we're out of time, but I'm glad okay. uh, we were right. pleased I'm to have you. you to cut me off. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank no, you. no, no, we're out of time. But we, well, we're on every Thursday, so there's, we'll be checking in with you to see how it's going, Please. and we'll be doing our share through the McKinney Coalition. Hey, we're now co-conveners of the McKinney yes. Coalition. So we're in touch with quite a few folks, including quite a few pastors as well. So uh, the next meeting that we have, we want to make sure you're there. We might have to do it yes, uh, via uh, the teleconference in some kind of way. But thank you very much for your time today. We are out of time, and we certainly appreciate you. Okay, I want to thank everybody for their time today. And uh, Hayward Evans, and we'll be in touch. We'll talk to you next Thursday.